Since my last video, there was a presser in the Delphi case. And it's really, really interesting because the more we dive into Richard Allen, it really starts to seem like he was a wolf in sheep's clothing. He doesn't have much of a criminal history and reports are saying he was actually involved early on in the investigation. And Doug Carter also did an interview after the presser where he hinted that they have their guy. So today we're going to dive into that information along with some extra. So now let's get into it. Richard Allen doesn't really have much of a criminal background. He has two speeding tickets, one in 2011 and one in 2005. And it says in 2005, it showed that he was going 74 in a 55 miles per hour zone, but that case was dismissed. It said because Allen reached a pretrial diversion agreement with prosecutors. He also had a failure to wear a seatbelt and that was in 2003. So very, very minor, if any, uh, criminal history. It seems like he's careful, allegedly. And as I was doing my research, I saw that, you know, this whole idea of wolf in sheep's clothing, and it started to get really eerie and creepy. In one of them, there was a gentleman named Bob Matlock. He owns a bar in town called JC's Bar. About Richard, he said, he would come in and we would always talk about the girls and everything. We would carry on conversations about it. He would say, you know, it's such a tragedy. And we'd say we felt sorry for the families and all that, but we tried not to talk about it too much because we all knew the families and were friends with the family. And Bob considered Richard and his wife, Kathy, very good friends for almost 20 years. And it was stated that the couples were members of the Barpool League, they were active in the community, and Bob would actually spend time not just at JC's, but also outside of that with them. And he said that there wasn't any indication, there was never indication that Richard, you know, or Rick would be arrested for something like this. He said, I just couldn't believe it when they said they arrested him. Well, that can't be the Rick we know. And then we come to find out it was, there wouldn't have been any inkling to anyone that knew him that would expect him to do something like that. He just didn't seem that type of person, but you never know. And this is the same place, I mentioned it in the last video, where Rick was sitting down and he had his picture taken and the picture or the sketch of BG was behind him, very eerie. What creeps me out more was that he discussed the case with people and that just gives me the chills. What do you think? Let me know how you feel about that below. I do wonder, was there some sort of satisfaction in it? Was he just, you know, trying to get information and see what others are thinking? Like, it's just, yeah. It's just really creepy, in my opinion. Bob did say too, to me, even the voice, he says, I didn't think that resembled Rick's voice. Everybody listened to all this because everybody was interested. Yeah, including Richard. And Bob also said that Richard's a quiet guy and he's so friendly. We hear this throughout a lot of people who've had encounters. He's helpful, he's friendly. Bob says they were a good family couple. That's what I guess was the biggest shock. I'm totally in shock that it's Rick. But he also says there's gotta be something or else they wouldn't have arrested him. And he says, until I hear exactly what they have, I'm just going to roll with it. And Bob also said that the family of Libby and Abby also frequent the restaurant. Now we also hear the story where Richard offered free pictures to Libby's aunt when she went to the CVS to pick up the pictures for Libby's funeral. And he said, 
you know, these pictures are free. She says, I went into the store to print photos of Libby for the funeral and he was the one who helped me. I was a mess trying to get the images off my phone. Once they were printed, he looked at me and said, I'm not going to charge you for this. And Libby's grandma and grandpa, Mike and Patty, also confirmed this in an interview. Now, I do wonder though, because the authorities talked about the girls being moved and staged and that there was a souvenir taken, I can't help but wonder, and let me know below too what you think, I can't help but wonder if he took copies for himself of those pictures. Now, another person said anytime he went into the CVS, he said he was always nice. Anybody would tell you that. You'd never think in a million years. What I also want to show you is the area of the places that he would frequent. And it is a small town. It's under 3,000 people. There's not a whole lot of places to go. However, it's interesting to see where he lived in relation to where the high school is, in relation to Monon High Bridge, and also the McDonald's, which a woman said she's seen him in there. She says she remembers Richard going in there because she would go and she would talk about the case with some friends and go for some lunch or coffee, and that she remembers seeing him come in. She said that he would you know, pretty much keep to himself and he was calm, mild-mannered, not really interacting with anyone is what she said. And she said, he just blended right in. You wouldn't even suspect the guy. Now take a look too where the pubs where he frequented are. It's really shocking that yes, he was hiding in plain sight, but when you start looking at a map, to me, I'm looking at going, wow. Also what's interesting, and I talked about it in my last video, is Kelsey, Libby's sister, was talking about working at the Dairy Queen. And she said, I had wondered if, you know, somebody was around us, the suspect was around in town and came in and ordered a chocolate shake or something. And, you know, she would never know, or she maybe forgot the voice or whatever. And then I looked it up because I was curious going, where is the Dairy Queen? And when you look at it, the Dairy Queen is right across or right near where the CVS is. At the time of the murders, Richard actually worked in Peru, Indiana at the CVS, and then he moved to Delphi. But it's still eerie. I mean, it's been five and a half years, so who knows if he went in and he would very well know, who wouldn't, that Kelsey is Libby's sister. It's chilling. Then I came across a little piece of information, and I haven't found it in very many other places, except for Fox 59 said this. It says, sources with first-hand knowledge of the investigation told Fox 59 that Allen actually came forward as a witness in the earlier stages of the investigation. So this is fascinating. We didn't hear this anywhere else. I mean, this is only just a teeny tiny bit that I found. I haven't been able to find it anymore. If you've seen that, something like that, or more information, please let me know below, or you can email me at itsacrimeandashame at gmail.com. This actually prompts me to think of, did he volunteer for the search? There was a huge, massive search the night that the girls went missing, and the community gathered and searched. Now, I don't know exactly what the details could be, but this is interesting to me. How about you? And about him working at the CVS in Peru, it's interesting because a coworker said that he was actually the assistant manager when she worked there between October 2015 and August 2017. And of course, the murders happened in February of 2017. And you can see here where Richard actually lived, 
and then he had to go out of town obviously to go to Peru. But what also interests me in that is where he lives or lived at this point. Then you can see where the girls were found, their bodies, and you can also see Monon High Bridge, and then you go out of town to Peru. What's also interesting is that we've heard in the past, and maybe you haven't or maybe you've forgotten because this is a pretty big case, but there was an abandoned vehicle on the side of the road heading out towards Peru. Interesting, right? Let me know what you think. Richard has been married to the same woman for just over 30 years. They were married in 1991. They were 19 years old and they soon after had a daughter. And in my last video, I talked about the picture of their daughter on Monon High Bridge. Now, since that, people were commenting and saying, no, Linda, the picture actually was taken years before, but posted in 2018. If you know when it was taken, please let me know below. And I had mentioned in my last video as well that earlier pictures of her as a teenager are very chilling because she looks a lot like Libby. Now imagine that. Imagine being the daughter who's finding out that her dad is charged with these crimes and, you know, people talking about her looking like Libby. That's pretty traumatizing. And then you have his wife also traumatizing for the past 30 years, she's known him. That's pretty much all she's known for her adult life. And speaking of that, let's talk about the search warrant. It was reported actually a few weeks ago that this happened. It was on October 13th. It said that a couple who lives near Richard said that there were unmarked vehicles there on October 13th. They said near the evening time, the deputies showed Richard a piece of paper before they searched the house and the yard. Richard's black SUV was then towed. and. This is interesting. It says officers left with bundles of cloth or clothing, a stack of books, a shopping bag, and a shoebox. It also said that they set up lights in the backyard next to a shed and they dug two little small sized holes and also used a metal detector. Now, again, this makes me think of, are they looking for the souvenir or what are they looking for and two small sized hole. Is it a weapon? Now, the report also said that Richard stayed outside the home while they were doing the search, but they said that his wife left twice. And the second time when she came back, the deputies were then gone. And I gotta say, I wonder what that conversation was like that night, because that would be a what the you know what moment. One of the neighbors asked the deputies whether he should be worried and the deputy responded, just remain vigilant especially with your wife and daughter. And that couple who were talking about the search, they said that he lives with his wife and his cat, rarely has visitors. And they said that they frequently saw him smoking outside in the driveway after work and drinking beer. His charges are pretty tight-lipped. We learned on Monday that he's charged with two counts of murder. We do not know the particulars. The probable cause was actually uh, sealed. And the prosecutor, Nicholas McLean, said, we did it in this case because the investigation is still open. It's about protecting the integrity of this case. I want to have an opportunity at some point to have an opportunity in court to explain the evidence and for that not to be tarnished or tainted or anything like that. Again, he's presumed innocent. And so it was important for me in this case to do that. Now, back to those charges. 
we know that Abby and Libby were moved and staged. And so remember that there could be, you know, uh, charges of abuse of a corpse and all that kind of thing. But we just know two counts of murder didn't say first degree, secondary, anything, just that and zip it. But I also read in news that he is not cooperating according to some sources. And he did plead not guilty and his pretrial is on January 13th at 9 a.m. And his trial is on March 20th at 9 a.m. Now, I'm guessing just an assumption that it's probably not gonna be in March. The reason why I say that is then you have the court process, you have motions coming back and forth and all that stuff. And so the likelihood of it being March, you know, is, is not great in my opinion, but that's just because I've been following cases for three and a half years now. I think I'm almost, yeah, I'm at three years now actually. This month is actually three years since I started the channel. And we're still waiting on trials. So to have one in four months is, I don't know, that's a miracle. Let me know your thoughts. Now, Doug Carter did an interview after the presser. And it was interesting because he, was, he wasn't really giving a super amount of details. But he did say that there were 70,000 tips. In the last video, I thought there was 50,000 tips. But he said 70,000. And he said now they're going to go back and go through every single one of them again. He said, I can't wait to tell the story, but today is not the day. And he says he feels a sense of peace now that they caught their guy. Uh, when he was asked, you know, is this the guy? Is this, are you confident? All he said was he referred back to the judge signing the probable cause affidavit. He just said, the judge signed it. That's all I'm going to say. The judge looked at it and signed it. So to me, he's pretty confident. But it's interesting because they are keeping the tip line open and they're also not ruling out any suspects because he was interviewed and asked, you know, what about Ron Logan? What about, you know, and he just said, no suspects have been cleared, none. But he does say that he hopes the community is not on edge anymore. And he said, this is just beginning, which that makes sense. So I do wonder, you know, how much more info there is. I bet you this is a very complex case. We can't forget about Keegan Klein as well. Another thing that was interesting is I found on Twitter that Jennifer Koffendoffer, we've seen her, she's works for the FBI and she posted that Richard Allen's height is five foot four on the driver's license and we know in previous from the sketches and from you know the BG descriptors that he was anywhere from five four to five ten I believe it was and in my last video I talked about DNA and wondering if that's how they matched it up and then I also remembered and I think it's important to bring in here is from one of the documents I think it was the one on Ronald Logan I'm pretty sure it was they talked about fibers and hairs it says during the processing of the crime scene investigators located unknown fibers and unidentified hairs which may be later used for comparison of similar fibers or hairs. So I'm wondering also if that's not in play with Richard Allen. And Doug Carter also said that he received tips after that 10 o'clock presser on Monday. He was already directly getting tips. So now this arrest leads to bigger questions. Was he alone in doing this? Are there others? And many comments said in my last video, 
Linda, how did his wife not suspect or not know, especially from seeing, you know, him walking and and talking and all that? I don't know that answer, but I can't imagine it being easy after being married to him for 30 years and having that go down and being in the daughter's shoes. Not to mention the most important is the family and finding out this guy was right under their nose for five and a half years. And now they can move forward. Becky Patty was saying, you know, every day she would sit down, have coffee and, you know, say today's the day and find out, you know, who the suspect could be. And she said, now it's very different and it feels different. You know, that's all you know. And she just asks, how do we help now? Mike Patty, Libby's grandfather says, how can somebody do that and then just go on living life like nothing happened? He says he doesn't know Richard Allen, but he's sure he ran into him at some point. He says, and that's the case, didn't know, I don't know the gentleman personally at all. I've probably seen him, it's a small county, but definitely I don't know him. I'll have the email where you can send in tips below and also the phone number. To check out my last video in the Delphi case, you can check out here and also you can check out the playlist right here. Thank you so much for watching, we'll see you soon.